longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Those you know, do. Those that understand, teach. And this is from Aristotle. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Bridgie Gia, and today's show is all about the gift of teaching. And I'm Zara Hassanane. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. It's always the season for giving, so give big. In this segment, Be The Star You Are reporter Sue Young Kim will be teaching us about music in her segment, Music Magic. Take it away, Sue Young. Hey guys, this is Sue Young from Music Magic. In my segment today, your lovely hosts and I will discuss how music fits in as a unique type of strategy for teaching. Now, let's hop into it. Music surrounds us at all times. It extends from making or listening to music at a fancy concert hall, all the way to waiting to skip that advertisement on video sharing websites such as YouTube. Music teaches every single one of us. Think about how you learned the English alphabet when you were little. Did you think of the classic ABC song sung in the tune of Twinkle Twinkle Little Stars arranged by an influential composer of the classical era, W.A. Mozart? That's it! Music has been a way of teaching a humongous group of people, including both you and I. Here are two fun facts. The lyrics of the famous lullaby, Twinkle Twinkle Little Stars, were taken from the poem, The Star, written by Jane Taylor. Taylor was an author and a poet in the early 19th century. Unlike to what has been mentioned before, the melody was arranged by W.A. Mozart. Mozart, at the estimated age of 25 or 26, collaborated with several other composers to produce the 12 variations of a famous French melody, which was published in 1761. So, to bring it back, the alphabet song is only one out of the tremendous amount of examples that can be given to prove that music is an efficient way of teaching that has revolved around us for ages. Here's another modern example. Can you think of a specific advertisement while spending time online to watch video contents? For me, at this moment, can think of the McDonald's commercials. Every time I hear the short I'm loving it jingle, it makes me think of the commercials all over again. After asking <laughs> a few of my good peers, I got to a conclusion that they agree as well. So, do you, our show's listener and treasured fan, agree as well? Oh wow. I love the I love the uh, McDonald's throw yeah. in there. Uh, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Sayong, uh, are there any other specific ways that music can benefit us through teaching? 
Music carries its own specific messages that often make the listener think. The thoughts can go from, oh, the new gum flavor must be delicious, to what is the artist's philosophy on life? Music can be a way for a musician to express how they think through the lyrics that land an instrumental. But other than that, people use music to teach music. In most schools, student courses such as the different types of bands and choirs, orchestra, and music theory teach music. Music to students who often choose to grow up to be the next musicians. Music can carry specific messages that a musician intends to deliver through their music. But it can also explain itself. We all get inspirations from music, even on how to make more of it. Yeah, I think it's really important, you know, that you emphasize all the different ways that music has an impact on our lives, all the uh, sort of varied ways that it has an impact on our lives. Um, and so, you know, to me, that really proves that music really does have a deep and varied um, you know, impact on us as people. Um, yet there are still those people out there that'll just write out, write off music as being solely for entertainment purposes. Do you agree with those people, or do you um, have any insights on music being just for entertainment purposes? Do you think it is for just entertainment purposes? What are your views on that? Although music can feel like, although music can feel like an inter. It- mostly as an entertainment person with cis, music can also feel like an escape from anything to some extent. To music enthusiasts, which is majority of the people in a society today, everything about the specific music is already all provided for us. However, to the musicians who always aspire to make their music better at times, music can be a beautiful pain. So to most listeners, music may solemnly be for entertainment plus flowing of new thoughts. Yeah, no, I totally agree, especially with the whole, um, you know, flowing of new thoughts thing. Um, And I think, uh, you know, you've emphasized so many aspects of what music can do for us mentally um, with regard to advertisement. Do you have any other examples of what else we can learn from music? Let's have a little run through. So we can learn about different opinions in an exciting way through music. We can learn to make music from music itself. The third one that follows this list and answers this question is the fact that we learned to collaborate. Just like Mozart, who collaborated with several other musicians to arrange the French melody, artists today, both widely known and gradually climb up to fame, have been collaborating with one another to produce many masterpieces. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, you know, just like Mozart um, and other musicians, you know, will continue to have this tradition of people innovating and, um, you know, finding new ways that music can really um, make an impact on this world. Um, and, you know, the other thing is that just as music has such a varied impact on everyone, um, there are also so many different types of music. So do you need tips for what we should be searching for when we're searching of, you know, for when we're searching for a type of music that we might like to listen to or just trying to explore a new type of music to get into? Um, explore, exploring around is definitely a good idea. So explore around and listen for songs with titles that catch your attention. If you love a specific genre, most music applications contain a feature where songs can be organized by genre, artist, time, etc. If you feel passionate about the classical music, simply just Google or go on the internet and type in a composer of the classical era. Today, we light, lightly mentioned a respected composer, W.A. Mozart, throughout the segment. His music will be a great place to Start. Finding your music taste is a very chill, simple, yet eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong answer with this, which is the best part, because in schools, all we learn to do is how to go to the go to the correct answers at times. If you find a good song, consider sharing with your peers as well. Make sure you also get a taste of what they like in return. And also to add on to add on to how you talked about music can be music can really just like be a 
change, mood changing thing. Uh-huh. I thought that I I actually have a story where my friend was really mad that she didn't make it to she didn't make it to a team that she uh-huh. wanted to go on and I actually gave her a few calming music like instrumental yeah. music or just music that have a message uplift that have uplifting messages and all that stuff and mm-hmm. after she listened to it she told me that she feels much better which is one of the things that music can do and I just thought that it would be really nice to share with you guys today yeah I think that actually it's really important that you brought that up because you know it proves that music really is a healing force as well and um mm-hmm. you know one of the things that teaches us is that you know there is something to look forward to there is you know there are people yeah, who feel sure. the same sort of pain as you um which mm-hmm. i think is really yeah so you know it really music is a really integral part of the gift of teaching and it really embodies the gift of teaching and i really like how you emphasize too in um the last question we asked you um that music <laughs> really is a matter that music really yeah. is a matter of taste and there's no right or wrong answer to mm-hmm. you know uh to music um, which is really important, and that's something that I think we need to teach more. That often there it there isn't a really right or right right or wrong answer to things. Like things yeah, are definitely yes. not always that black or white. Um, so you know, just to conclude, how do you think music can contribute to the gift of teaching overall? And what do you think um, is its biggest um, contribution to the gift of teaching? Here's a short little way to remember the teaching sides of music. Just remember the C-O-M of music. The C stands for collaboration, the O stands for opinions, and the M stands for music itself. For music, we learn to collaborate like Mozart did when he collaborated with his fellow composers. Today, in musical gatherings like the school classes that relate to music, we all learn to make music together. From music, we also learn to hear about or express one's opinions on or philosophy. Music can seep into anyone's mind, like the catchy commercial jingles. It can also seep into one's heart by putting all sorts of issues that are difficult, common, or both. Musicians have have the ability to put the vague emotions into words. This lets the listeners, one, relate, or two, learn a different perspective. But the fact that music teaches people to make more of itself ties this all together as well. Remember how music becomes a way of teaching via the C-O-M of music. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Thank you for the easy to easy to remember acronym. That's incredible. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, I just I just really quickly, I actually want to know, uh, Sayoung, what are some personal things that like you have specifically learned from music? Do you have any stories that you could tell us? Oh yeah, actually, I was in my orchestra class and uh, and I was actually having a hard time because this one part was kind of above the skill level that I had, and I actually didn't even bother to listen to the music, but only the only sight read it through and just like was like stressing through to actually like play it. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I actually took some took some breaks every now and then and thought about listening to the actual piece, and I realized that it was actually a very mellow and a calming piece to listen to. So I thought, oh, why don't I kind of calm down with the stress and mm-hmm. learn to appreciate it even more? And after that, I began to practice every every time I kind of thought of it instead of forcing myself to go to practice, which it, which produces stress music in a way. Yeah. And although that is although that is kind of stress relieving for me, for the for the for for the people who will be listening to my music, they may or may not be able to hear it. So I thought, only not only that music making has to stay chill at times, but I also have to stay calm at times, even if things don't work out. 
Yeah, for sure. I think it's really important that, you know, patience is such a big part of music. You can't really yeah. rush through. You, you you know, you can't rush practice. You have to just keep at it, um, which I think is yeah. really admirable. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much, um, So Young, for this great conversation. Unfortunately, that yeah. is all the time we have. Um, support our show in these amazing segments by donating to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. For more info on how to do this, go to www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog. I'm Zara Hassanin. And I'm Brigitte Gia. More information is at our website at bethestarur.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our discussion about the gift of teaching with star guest Natalie Mitchell. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting, inspiring program. I'm Brigitte Gia, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. For this segment, we are discussing the gift of teaching. Hmm. And I'm Zara Hossman. Joining us today is actress Natalie Mitchell. Natalie is an NYU graduate who started her career as a child actor in Jack with Robin Williams and went to get, went on to get a BFA and an MFA. She acts all around the country in plays, films, television, and national commercials for large companies like Subway and LL Bean. And she teaches and coaches acting at UCSF, UCSB, and the Acting School of Emeryville. She's also a private acting coach as well, and she has a female-focused and driven production company titled Emergence Films. And with that, let's welcome Natalie onto the show. Hi, Natalie. Hey, hey thank you so much, Zara. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, so, you know, Natalie, as I was reading off that list of accomplishments, I realized <laughs> how amazing it is um, that ever since you were a kid, you've been so invested in acting. Um, so can I ask you, where that passion for acting initially came from and what really got you into acting like at, when you were a kid? Of course. Um, so I'm one of three girls, a uh, middle child. I don't know if any of you are listening out there are middle child children, but <laughs> that tends to be the one who's a little crazy, needs a little attention. <laughs> so um, I started kind of dancing to Enya on my um, grandmother's back porch and my mother put <laughs> me in dance. But when I was in dance, I would talk, 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 talk. And everyone was like, 
she, she needs to be she needs to go to acting classes because she's talking too much and it's driving your teacher nuts. <laughs> so I literally started acting classes because I couldn't stop talking in dance class. <laughs> oh my gosh! What, what a beginning! <laughs> wow, you know, I guess that was for the best because you've established such an amazing career. And so I I want to know: is there uh, as interesting of a story um, behind your directing start as well? Uh, what what made you want to try and direct? Sure. Honestly, that came kind of from an organic place. Um, I was in graduate school at NYU getting my master's and um, we were doing kind of one person shows and just kind of our thesis statement projects. And one of my classmates didn't have a director. And I was like, I can direct. And I just jumped in. Um, It was kind of out of happenstance, but I learned that I loved it so much. And a lot of times in acting class when I was younger, I would always kind of make the little comment about, oh, she could have done it this way, or you could have walked over (laughs) here. And and so I've always had a kind of global vision when I look at a piece. Then Mm. it's it's hard for me to put my blinders up and just act. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's really cool that, you know, your talents are so varied. Um, um, and I think what's really cool is that you're not only active in acting and directing, but that you also share your talents and your wisdom about the acting world with others by, you know, teaching acting classes. Um, and people always say, you know, that to really master a subject, you have to be able to teach it to others. And, you know, to quote the king and I, <laughs> if you become a teacher by your pupils, you'll be taught. So, you know, as a private um, and institutional acting teacher, what do you learn from your students? Oh, wow. I learn more from my students than they probably learn from me. Um, I coach a lot of teens, but I also coach adults that are, you know, my peers. And I think what's so fascinating is to just kind of walk that journey with the other actor and know that, you know, they know I'm an actor too. So I'm not speaking at them from a place of being above them, but as peers Mm -hmm. trying to decipher kind of human connection and why people do what they do. And it's really just kind of a more like philosophy discussion than it is about right or wrong or how a scene should be played and Mm. everybody can read a scene and see it done completely differently and I enjoy kind of finding those unique ways to do it that's right for you you know the person I'm working with yeah no I think that's like really cool that you know you're very adaptable and you also don't you're not condescending at all I think that's really a really important quality in a teacher is to sort of treat your students as equals um so would you suggest that others go to school for acting as far as getting a master's degree to um, further their education and become like even better at what they do well, to avoid a political discussion about um, the educational system of today and how hard it is to pay back student loans, <laughs> yes. um, I, I think it's an individual decision. I think that I would not be who I am today if I didn't go to NYU yeah. um, because it. I think what graduate acting programs do is they teach you what tools you have as a human and then how to use those tools. Um uh, whether it's in acting or just life, I, I feel like I know myself, I know Natalie better than I ever would have. If I had not gone to grad school, I feel like I wouldn't know myself as well. Yeah, I think that's that's a really important message that, you know, you really do have to get to know yourself to do any job, um, not just acting, but really anything in life. Um, and I think that's something that you don't really realize when you're younger is that, you know, um, before you can start doing all these big things, you really have to get to know yourself better. Um, so is there anything you would tell your younger self about that, about, you know, getting to know yourself mm. before you set out to do anything or any advice you would give to your younger self as um, yeah. a kid in a pretty brutal acting world, you know, as it's depicted to be? Yeah. I, you know, I wish that I was Australian because <laughs> in Australia, they take a year 
between high school and um, college. So they take a year to travel and Mm. you kind of take time to figure out who you are before you make big decisions like what you want to study in school or major in. I I know I probably still would have gone the route I went. I mean, I didn't just go as far as college, but I went to get a master's. So clearly Mm. I've had my path. But there are a lot of young actors who you know, travel abroad and realize they want to do something else. And I think that that's a valuable time when you're young to really listen to yourself and explore other options. Because even if you end up being an actor, you will have a richer life as an actor if you've lived other experiences other than just acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I guess that's pretty universal for, you know, kids who really need to find themselves and like teens who are you know, finding their own side. It's really hard to make a big decision like that. But, you know, I am glad you you continued um, and got a master's. That's incredible. I feel like we do I, we do need a kind of established gap year. That would be really nice. Exactly. Yeah. An esta- that's the word I was looking for, established gap year. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Natalie, um, what business advice specifically would you give to any young actor nowadays? And how is that different from when you were an actor? Hmm. Well, when I was younger, it was all about the headshots and you printed out the headshots and you had the resume attached to the back and now everything, everyone's going green. Um, and also there's so much, so many ways for actors to not have the weight to get cast um, because you can do your own web series, you can create your own YouTube channel, you can get yeah. Instagram videos. Um, there, It's kind of the ADD generation. So the, <laughs> there, I have the pros and cons of that, but the pros are you have all the control in your hands to do yeah. something with your talent. You do not need to sit around waiting for someone to give you that opportunity. You create the opportunity. You tell your story. You write your project. And that's actually why I created my own production company because I felt I have a lot of stories to tell and I don't need to wait for someone to cast me to tell those stories. Hmm. Yeah, so speaking of your production company, um, I think it's really cool that it's female-focused and driven. I mean, that's not something you see all that often. You usually see, like, critical articles of, oh, you know, like, the, like, industry is dominated by, like, all these males that have been there for like a hundred plus years and like they make all the casting calls and all that. So I think it's really cool that you had, you know, the guts and the work ethic and um, the vision for this like production company. So, you know, what really motivated you to start the production company and why do you want it to be female driven specifically? Yeah. Well, like you said, the statistics don't lie and some do, (laughs) these don't that I think people are fine. Look at about 55% of couples. The woman is the one in a heterosexual relationship um, to choose which movie to go to. So we have the buying power as women. And yet, (laughs) and yet there's not a lot of options that show our viewpoint or vantage point. Um, I loved wonder woman. I was very excited about wonder woman. (laughs) Yes. I, I sat, there I mean the the most critical moment in that movie that was so inspiring to me was the kiss I don't know if you guys saw it but when it's from it's he's coming to her she is the central focus it's not pretty shot of her her, you know his POV on her beautiful face going in for the kiss around and you never see that from the female vantage point. So I I really enjoyed that. And so I started my production company because I met with a woman who had about two features. She'd been kind of hustling around LA trying to make, it's a female Western called Follow the River. Mm -hmm. And I had a movie called 30 Camels, which is based on my experience in Morocco. And we Mm. together kind of were inspiring each other. And we said, you know, this is silly. Rather than you working on your own and me working on my own, why don't we join forces? We have so many projects between the two of us. You help me with my features 
yours and I'll help you with mine or with yours. So it was kind of a, a really organic way to start a production company because we both could help one another. Wow, that's so wonderful. It's like a female collaboration working exactly. on big yes. projects. That's amazing. And yeah, I've been, you know, Wonder Woman has just broken so many barriers. So excited to finally see a female superhero movie that's so, like, amazing. And oh, it just gets, <laughs> you know, I just. More change, more feminism, really good. And so, uh, Natalie, uh, you just mentioned um, 30 Camels. I'd I'd love to know more about that. You know, how how is your work in Morocco? That's going there. (laughs) Yes, this is an intense story. This story is so intense that I'm actually having someone from Vice, uh, the magazine, uh, write an article about it. And then what we're going to do is we're going to option the article because it's really hard to get life rights. And this is based on what really happened to me. Uh So, and then we're my production company. Emergence Films is kind of um, working in tandem, hopefully knock on wood, with um, Scott Free Productions, which is Ridley Scott's production company. He did like Alien and, um, you know, a lot of other movies, Thelma and Louise, that's way before your time, but everyone (laughs) (laughs) might know who that is. So, so yeah, so I basically, so I just got totally sidetracked, but the... um, 30 camels. So my story. <laughs> story is when I was 19 years old, I studied abroad in Italy and I was studying Commedia dell'arte, which is like a mask theater, um, which mm-hmm. I love, which there was more of in this country. And then I decided to travel with two friends of mine down to Spain and France. And through our journey, we decided it would be a fun idea to go to Morocco because we were in Tang- uh, we were uh, in Malaga, Spain, which is very, very close. Like you can basically, you know, um, take a 45 minute ferry ride to the tip of Morocco. So we did that. And next thing I know, I'm on a camel tour in the Sahara, you know, um, being not even aware of what I was getting myself into. My parents had no idea I was in Morocco. They thought I was still in Spain (laughs) back before cell phones. You know, you didn't bring cell phones to other countries. There wasn't WhatsApp or any of these kind of, you know, wireless uh, options to just, so it was pay phones and, and random internet cafes that I was communicating with my family. So I went to Morocco and I went on this camel tour and going into the desert, this is a very short version of the story, but going into the desert, a man started kind of flirting with me and I speak French fluently. So I was kind of the communicator between me and the Moroccan people and my friends. And so they were like, what is he saying? I said, well, he's inviting us to go to, um, you know, after we get out of the desert to go to his cousin's wedding. And uh, I said, well, when are we going to be invited to a Berber wedding? That's such an amazing opportunity. We should take advantage of it. Um, so basically what happened was they they convinced me to stay in the middle of the desert after the tour left me. It was me and my two guy friends that I was traveling with. And the next thing I know... Uh, my guy friends are nowhere to be found. I'm being dressed up in these Berber dresses and henna tattoos on my hands and my face and drinking copious amounts of wine, which I shouldn't have been doing. And the next thing I know, there's a giant, you know, party in the streets uh, with about 80 to 100 men in white gowns dancing around me. And at this point, I started realizing that it was that something was wrong, um, that maybe I was not in a safe environment and that the tour was completely gone. And I told the man that I was staying with who invited me, I said, I don't feel well. I'm going to go back up to where I'm sleeping, which was the rooftop of, um, of where I was staying. And the man followed me up there and proceeded to tell me that he owned me and he had purchased me off my tour guide and <gasps> telling me all these crazy things that 
to this day are just absurd and it was complete extortion. Um, he basically thought he could either take advantage of me or he could get money out of me. So basically the wow. next morning I walked down the stairs. I didn't sleep the whole night. He finally left me alone and he put me in a room and he said, you have one more chance. He said, you can sleep with me or you can pay me for all the gifts I gave you. So I ended up giving him about 400 uh, US dollars in Durham. And it was a very traumatic experience and no one knew where I was. And I basically ran away from that experience. My two friends were poisoned. They were very, very ill for the whole night that this happened to me. Um, they were nowhere to be found. And basically we went um, back to Marrakesh and my two guy friends went traveling on their own. And I had to go all the way from Morocco back to Italy where I was flying home by myself. And that was the first time in my life that I genuinely started seeing men in a different way. Um, yeah. Used to see, see myself as a spirit. I wasn't a man or a woman. I was just a a person. And I think that all of us women have a time in our lives, unfortunately, where we, we have to dim our light a little bit to not get the unwanted attention um, from men. And that was a really sad kind of abrupt way to learn that lesson. Um, but it was something that, you know, it was my exaggerated version of, of dimming my light. And I think that's another reason why I want to continue to make female driven projects to remind women to not dim their light for men, to be their full self. And, you know, that's on them that that happened. That was not my fault. What happened yeah. to me? But a lot of times in situations like that, we, we put guilt on ourselves as women and right. just want to educate young women to know that you can be a free spirit and travel and enjoy life. And, and, you know, it's not your responsibility to take care of their, their view of you. So. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so, so sorry that happened to you. That's really, really awful. But I'm also really inspired by, you know, what you took away from the experience and, um, how you emphasize the aspect of, you know, the no guilt aspect that it really wasn't your fault and it's totally, you know, absurd when people try to blame it on the victim. Um, so yeah, I'm really sorry that you had that experience. We have to have these experiences in order to come out stronger. Yeah, right. Well, thank you so much for all that um, inspiration, all your insight, um, and for this amazing conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. More information about Natalie and her work can be found at her Facebook at Natalie Mitchell, her Instagram at Natalie uh, Mitchell Actor, and her websites, NatalieMitchellActor.com and www.EmergenceFilms.us. Visit our radio websites, Natalie Mitchell Actor, oh, visit our radio site at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. We'll be continuing continuing our conversation, so stay tuned. I'm Zara Hassanein. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying, staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Zara Hassanane. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this segment of Express Yourself, we are continuing our fascinating conversation on the gift of teaching. And I'm Brigitte Back with us in this segment is our wonderful guest, actress Natalie Mitchell. Natalie has a BFA from the University of California at Santa Barbara and an MFA from the Graduate Acting Department at New York University. She performed as leads at the STC, or the Shakespeare Theatre Company, in Washington, D.C., and she appeared in various national commercials, like her controversial Subway commercial, which was talked about on The Daily Show, The Huffington Post, Conversation Nation, and Good Morning America. And she's the currently the host of Crime Stoppers on CBS. Aside from acting, she's coached actors internationally on how to prepare for an audition by preparing the physical body using her yoga and Alexander training. In addition, she's the producer and co-founder of Emergence Films, which is an all-female production company that prides itself on producing films that offer multi-dimensional female, ro- dimensional female roles. Emergence has two flagship films, Follow the River, River, a female Western, and 30 Camels, a film based on real-life experiences while traveling through Morocco. Natalie resides in L.A., where she continues to work as an actor, coach, and producer. With that, let's welcome Natalie back onto the show. Hi, Natalie. Hello. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you just um, ended the last segment with your story about, um, you know, what happened to you in Morocco and how traumatizing that was, but really how um, you learned, it kind of empowered you in some ways, and we also talked about your... um, female production company as well so you know it's very clear to me that you've done a lot for um you've been a lot you've been through a lot to you know um realize the power of females and the power of um you know empowering (laughs) um and you've done a lot um to empower women as well um but at one point you did do a controversial commercial for subway (laughs) um that some people called sexist do you have any um regrets about doing that commercial or what are your your opinions i mean i think it was all a ploy I don't know if any of you guys know how commercials work, but it was basically, it was called, if you want to go on YouTube, it's called Sexy Halloween <laughs> Costume Subway. Okay, that's oh, what dear. it is. <laughs> so I went to UC Santa Barbara where girls wore anything, any version of something typical would make, you know, a sexy version of it. So let's right. say it's a cop or a nurse or whatever, and you'd wear it. And it's like the most ridiculous, it's like Halloween becomes the day that girls just don't wear clothes. Like that's the excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Irony is it was a farce. It was making fun of that because the whole spot, oh. if you watch it, it starts off as a girl being like, oh, I got to get in shape. I can't eat a burger. I'm going to eat a Subway sandwich, which between you and I, Subway's not healthier than a burger. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a spokesgirl, so I can say that. But, you know, the the fact of the matter is, then the joke was, oh, well, it's not bathing suit season, but it's Halloween costume season, right? So you need to be, but then it was making fun. It was a tongue-in-cheek farce joke about how girls use it as an excuse for Halloween to wear little clothing. Oh, I see. It, nobody got the joke. I think Colson <laughs> Daly might have been the only person who was like, oh, it was a joke. It was funny. But there was other people uh, who had me like, 
blown up picture of my face with sexist over the front. I mean, it was absurd. Oh my my gosh. And I consider myself a feminist. So I think it, it was just a very difficult time in my life because I thought, why is this happening to me? And no one gets the joke. But then, you know, another issue was, I think, because knowing marketing campaigns, I think they intentionally made it just sexist enough to get airtime for free. Because mm. when it oh. goes on Huffington Post or some controversy or Good Morning America, which it was on as well, all these different, it's free advert. They don't have to pay for that airtime. Yeah, that's true. They so you kind of pay aiming for it. So it got a lot of press, but it wasn't on air that much. So I didn't get all the other conditions I'm used to getting paid, but they got the the press. Oh. I mean, that's a very vindictive, you know, it's kind of a a dark way to look at it, but I think that that was all a part of the plan. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I'm really glad that, like, yeah, that, I mean, I don't know, it's like, it's really interesting to get your point of view because, you know, like, just, like, reading articles and stuff about it, you kind of just get, like, the one side of like, yeah. like, sex or whatever, but, um, like, but I, I don't know. I think it's like also interesting that like they purposely made it like a little bit controversial. Like I never realized that yeah. that's, you would want, like, I had never realized that controversy would be like a really good thing for a company like Subway, but I don't know. It's interesting. Look at reality TV. Yeah. It's all about controversy. <laughs> yeah, that's what people exactly. watch. Nobody wants to watch a happy relationship, you know? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, things that are, yeah, things that are, you know, controversial and um, sort of, uh, I don't know, it kind of gets your, like, it's kind of like how people just like to gossip, you know, they like to sort of, like, mm-hmm. dig up dirt and, like, people like dirt. <laughs> but, like, yeah, so, you know, obviously you've been through your... Uh, you've you've got such an, a beautiful independence and you've worked so hard and, sorry, yeah. that's, it's just, it, that's very rough. And so, uh, Natalie, I mean, if you, you know... If you had the chance to, I don't know, do the commercial again and then, like, you know, would you, how would you change it to really show that it was a joke or show maybe the, you know, the play behind it and how it wasn't meant to be sexist? Well, I mean, the thing that's crazy, I I think that's what the director was doing. The director who directed Mm -hmm. it is the same guy who does all those avocado uh, subway commercials they're like girls oh, and yeah. like they're obsessed with avocado and they have like an avo- they name their baby avocado and one girl has like an avocado sweater and it's, it's all that's his humor so knowing the director I mean I think he played I think I mm-hmm. acted it with making fun of myself as well as him directing it that mm-hmm. way I think people just don't have vision and yeah, unfortunately <laughs> you know and I could have done a little more funny but it's funny if you watch it it's not yeah. like me taking it seriously like I'm sexy it's like I'm, yeah. I'm a football costume throwing a football on the ground going foxy fullback like it's not yeah. <laughs> a joke it's not serious <laughs> yeah no no for sure oh um, man so yeah you have yeah so you obviously like Throughout your career as an actor, since you were a child, you've been through a lot of um, situations like that, I'm sure, where, like, um, you know, you're, it might be kind of like an uncertain sort of a commercial or it might be like something else. Um, so what's, like, the most important thing you would say to an aspiring actor about, you know, getting through all the, like, getting through all of that, like, getting through all the turmoil of the acting world and stuff? Um, mm. What advice would you give about that to, like, an aspiring young actor? Yeah, I think listen to yourself. If something feels wrong or someone's asking you to do something that you don't want to do, don't do it. Because 
I mean, I have had a, there was a lot of formative times earlier on in my career that I could have made a decision and I didn't. For example, I am not an actor who will do nudity. And, you know, you can talk to a lot of actresses who would say, oh, that's, you're being a prude, you're never going to get anywhere. But at the end of the day, I want to feel comfortable with the material I'm putting out into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and so a long time, about five years ago, I got cast in a lead role. And it was a very good role. And I showed up to shoot the movie. And I got a non-disclosure agreement passed to me under the table. And it said, you know, there was going to be nudity. I said, Uh my my manager didn't tell me about this. My agent, you didn't tell me in the audition, which is not protocol there if there is going to be nudity they have to tell you on the breakdown and the actual initial audition they don't wait Uh till your book the job to tell you that but he was trying to corner me into doing it and I said and it was a lot of money and I called my manager I said I'm not going to do it the director called me and tried to be like well you know I could find anybody in a heartbeat to do this and you know you you should just do it and I said well if you can't explain to me why it's needed it's not yeah. needed. It's gratuitous and I'm not going to do it and he did not expect I think I very few actresses would have backed away from the job mm-hmm. but I did yeah and mm-hmm. you know there are moments where I was like oh god but it was such a good role other than that and but at the end of the day I'm happy with my decision and then yeah. four to a few months later I was at a cocktail party uh, in Manhattan and this girl was talking in the corner she goes oh I've been working so much lately and just you know a little bit ago I got cast in a movie um, because a girl dropped out last minute because she didn't want to do the nudity and I <gasps> for some reason walked over to her I said I'm sorry are you speaking of the movie and I'm not going to mention it but Blank she goes yes, I, am. <laughs> uh-huh. I, said, I was that stupid girl <gasps> and I walked away and her whole face just dropped oh my god it was a horrifying and I called my husband at the time and I said I want to leave I'm so embarrassed I want to get out of here she got the job he goes no make her uncomfortable stay there you were strong in your decision and you have no regret so I did but anyway, there, there are some difficult times in your career where you were going to wonder if you made the right decision or not, whether it's something like that or just doing a job because it's working for a company you don't believe in. Or At the end of the yeah. day, you have to be okay with your decision. Make sure you don't make decisions based on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, I, that's... I really find it like, admirable that you were so like strong with your principles and that you know your principles in the end were really what guided you and you were really true to those um and also the whole like I don't know I know like again it's that whole thing with like oh we like controversy but like that's like when you were telling that story about like going up to the woman like I was like I was like yes like she totally deserved that but like it's just because like you know like people you have to respect other people's decisions too you know um and I also think it's interesting how you talked about um you know, they didn't really need that nudity because I think of, like, old movies and stuff where, like, you mm-hmm. weren't allowed to use nudity at all. And it's not like those films are worse because they didn't use nudity, you know? like No, once people I- had imagination. Yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree. Like, um, I read this interview with Gene Kelly recently, and he mm-hmm. said that, um, you know, like, people didn't have sex on camera back in the day because they made sex through dance. And if you watch, you know, like, a Gene wow. Kelly dance, like, in Singing in the Rain, like, a ballet or something, like, yeah, it's sexy, you know? <laughs> and, like, yeah. you don't have that, like, he's not, like, <laughs> have, there's no nudity there, like, or anything. So I think it's really cool that, you know, like, you're, that's one of your principles, and that's, like, um, something you think, you you know, you value imagination. Um, I think that's really Yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> I love well, yeah. imagination. <laughs> and the other thing is, yeah, exactly. they, 
if you do something like that, it's all over the internet. Back in the, when they first started doing nudity, there wasn't ways to like rewatch it or Google it and find images. Now, uh, I mean, you don't know where your image is, and you have to protect your image because that's everything. Sure, yeah. So you have to just like when people, even not in the industry, go on Facebook and have pictures of them doing things that are not appropriate. Anyone who's going to hire you can look on your profile and see those images. So you really have to be careful what you're doing image-wise. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. I think what's what's interesting, though. I think uh, you mentioned at the very beginning of the first segment that, like, you know, you do the internet gives you so much accessibility, and like young actresses can start their careers. But then there's also this aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no longer a private world. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for this wonderful conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. But during the break, be sure to check out our charity site at www.btsya.org, which stands for Be the Star You Are, 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. More info uh, is under events at our website at www.btsya.org. And I'm Zara Hassanane. Check out Natalie and her work at Instagram at Natalie Mitchell Actor and her website's NatalieMitchellActor.com and www.EmergenceFilms.us. Please visit www.ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for more information about our show. When we get back, we'll continue our inspiring conversation on the gift of teaching. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, and I'm Zara Hassanane. And today's hour is about the gift of teaching. In this segment, we have veteran reporter Caitlin Sim with us. Caitlin is a rising junior at Doherty Valley High School in San Ramon, California. At school, she's an active member of the Women in STEM Club, Volunteers for Senior Citizens Club, and Team HBV. Outside of school, she plays violin in the Oakland Youth Symphony Orchestra, serves on the Library Teen Advisory Board, and volunteers as a reader for a public domain digital library of audiobooks. In her free time, she loves to read, watch cooking shows, and listen to jazz rock music. She'll be reporting on today's radio segment for Ode to Literature. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. Uh, This is Caitlin Sim with the Ode to Literature. One way people have spread their ideas to others is to write them down in a book, which in hindsight actually sounds like a pretty good idea, right? All of their thoughts are in one place, so they don't have to repeat their words over and over again, which would become pretty tiring after a while. 
Throughout history, this idea has been adapted to all aspects of society. These kinds of books are the ones that have changed society for the better or worse, depending on how you look at it. Politically, Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto is an example of this, as he reveals to the world his ideology known as communism today. Communism is the direct opposite of capitalism, as communism believes in a governmental control of production, while capitalism supports private ownership. His radical ideas sparked controversy among the European countries, which were predominantly capitalist and was a foundational book for socialism. Economically, Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations summed up the basics of laissez-faire economics, or capitalism in modern-day terms. It was the first major European work to gather the ideas of capitalism in one place. His ideas could be described as the basis of the American economy. But not every book that teaches is a philosophical or a political book. Many of these books are actually fiction novels, which are better for audiences to use, authors to use, as they are more frequently read than these non-fiction books. This leads to many authors subtly or not so subtly, incorporate their ideas into their books. Uncle Tom's Cabin is a great example of this, as it changed societal views on slavery by creating a sympathetic character, Tom, who goes through the horrors of the slave trade. This fictional novel started a major controversy in 1852 when it was published and stirred up the abolitionist movement. But books don't have to change the world to be impactful. Personally, a more contemporary book that taught me many things is Tuesdays with Maury. I first heard of this book from my brother, who thought that I would like it. Eventually, I did end up reading it, and after I finished, I felt like my eyes were open to a whole new perspective. I tried getting my friends to read it too, and I did get at least one person to read it. <laughs> so, I mean, that was nice. Uh, the author of Tuesdays with Maury, Mitch Olivum, shares his own ideas about life with the audience in this memoir. It follows Olivum's former professor, Maury Schwartz, who's dying from ALS. Olivum recounts all of the life-changing advice Maury gave to him in their meetings on Tuesdays, and they mainly talk about life and self-reflection. Maury teaches about a different approach on life, as Mitch was currently dissatisfied with the way he was living his own at the time. He mainly stresses the importance of creating our own culture as opposed to listening to the popular culture, which he believed to be greedy. In all, books have had a great impact on our world. From the personally touching stories like Mitch Albums to the revolutionary ones of Marx, we know that literature has changed and continues to change the world. Wow, Caitlin, thank you so much. That was an amazing first segment. So really good job. Um, you know so much about literature, which is awesome because, you know, I think one of the great things about literature is that, you know, even if you're not much of a reader, everyone has a book that they've read that they like that they really connect to on a human level. Um, and, you know, earlier we were talking about um, with an actor we had on um, a previous the previous two segments, we were talking about how, you know, despite how awful hardships can be, like while you're going through them, um, what you learn from them is really the more important thing. And I think that's um, what you were describing with Tuesdays with Maury. Um, I got that sort of message out of that book too. Um, you know, he's going through ALS, but um, that's not the only thing that's happening. He's also telling these stories to um this guy and that's really um even though he's gonna die you know his wisdom will stay alive through this man um and so you know those life messages and stuff i think those are um really important 
and that whole like mentorship between the professor and um, the student, I think is really important too. Um, a young person reaching out to someone older for advice. So do you have any personal examples of um, older people that have impacted you, that have given you life advice that's really um, about, you know, whether it's about sticking through it through hardship or about something else that really did impact you in the same way as um, Maury impacted the student? Um, so I volunteer at a senior center in San Ramon where I help seniors learn new technology like how to send emails, work iPads, um, buy things from Amazon, and, and more. It's really fun to introduce new technology to them. You know, their faith yeah. when they discover how to use iBooks or find music on YouTube is priceless. Yeah, I bet. Um, I also enjoy listening to their life stories and experiences. Like, there is this one senior who used to come regularly to these classes, and he always talked about his past life experiences and struggles as he was born at the start of the Great Depression. Um, he said he received an elementary school education, but proceeded to quit school to support his family as the economic crash devastated the U.S. Although he had a tough life, he really had, like, a big, deep appreciation towards life and his loved ones. And I really respected his persevering spirit and his passing comments like, oh, like, you should stay in school and work hard. And they definitely impacted my life as he shared his wisdom and attitude with me. Yeah, wow. I think it's that's really cool. And I think, you know, the relationship between an old person and a young person is beneficial for that, you know, for that reason particularly. And I really like how you said that um, he had a respect for life. I think that's a really cool idea that, um, you know, even he didn't grow up with too much, but even with that, he had a fulfilling life. He um, got a lot out of life. And it sounds like, um, you know, the character in Tuesdays with Maury, um, Maury um, even though, you know, he's losing a lot in life, he really has a lot of mm-hmm. respect for life as well. He has a lot to say still, and he um, doesn't, you know, he, it's not like he's uh, losing his spirit. He still has all these stories and life messages. Um, so, are you know, do you relate to Maury in that way, or do you relate to the person Maury's telling stories to? Are there any other characters that you do relate to based on their story, their struggle, um, their principles, their wisdom? Mm-hmm. I think more so than Maury, I think I can relate to Mitch, um, because mm-hmm. when he seeks out advice from his teacher, it reminds me of when I reach out to like older people and mentors that help me to help me through a tough situation in life. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, like I haven't really found a teacher for life lessons or anything, though. Yeah. More, mostly just like I usually just talk to them about like academics or grades and other yeah. stuff, like, kind of like that. But I do hope that in the future I can find a professor or a teacher, maybe later in college or even in the last years of my high school, um, that I can have a connection with like Mitch does with Maury. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, you know, the theme of today's show is the gift of teaching. And um, I think what's really important in a teacher, we were talking about this earlier as well, is that, you know, it's not just about discussing grades and discussing academics. It really should be about forging a personal relationship with your students. And I know that's really easier said than done because, I mean, let's face it, like, <laughs> like, I mean, like, I don't know, if I was a teacher, I feel like it'd be pretty hard to, you know, make friends with a bratty kid or, like, something <laughs> like that, you know, but, like, I don't know, like, I feel like if I had you as my student or something that, like, you know, someone who loves literature, who's passionate about life, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like there needs to be more of an effort to sort of, like, um, have a connection with your students because that's really um, the way that you can 
teach them most effectively. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I had this, I used to have this English teacher after she retired, I kind of became friends with her and I feel like I learned more from her after she retired um, than I did really in her English class, which is like strange to me, but I think it's like sort of like what happens in Tuesdays with Maury, right? Where it's like your biggest life lessons don't come from sort of unexpected places. It comes from, you know, a guy that's dying from ALS, um, which is a really intriguing thing, I think. And I think Mitch Album, um, it takes guts to write about something like that. And it also takes a lot of talent. Um, so have, do you know if he's written any other books? Um, and if so, do you know if they're good and as insightful and impactful as Tuesdays with Maury? Um, yeah, he actually has. And if you're interested with Tuesdays with Maury, um, he wrote other similar books, such as The Five People You Meet in Heaven, which follows a character named Eddie and his journey in the afterlife. Um, it's not really a memoir, though. And yeah. uh, The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto, which demonstrates... Uh, passion for music um personally i've read the five people you meet in heaven and it's actually up there with tuesdays of mori for me but i haven't actually read the magic strings of frankie presto yet but it's definitely on my book list to read in the future yeah no that's awesome and i love your love for literature um and i really like how you know um, you're still into reading books, even though there is so much technology to be bombarded by these days um, and stuff like that. So I don't know, just like uh, a quick last thought. How do you think in general, um, Tuesdays with Maury and literature in general affects teens and how can it relate to teens today? Um, you know, our society is pretty competitive these days. Like for teens, college is a huge worry in our lives. Like to compete for these schools, there are sports to do, extracurriculars, SATs to study for, GPA, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we all know what we worry about. It's yeah. pretty brutal if we if you think about it. Right. As a rising junior, I know that I'm definitely starting to think about my future and how college will play into it. But I think Tuesdays of Mori really tells us to stop for a minute and think uh-huh. about what's truly important in our lives, like our friends or other lasting relationships we might have. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's a really important lesson for all of us to learn, um, no matter what our age is. Well, thanks, Caitlin, so much for that amazing conversation. That was a really great first segment. Um, sadly, it is time to say farewell. We give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Zara Hassanane, and you've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to www.expressyourselftuneradio.com and our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, be kind, be a teacher, and be taught, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself